This is the Balancing Act by Security Compass, your guide to going fast while staying safe in today's digital world. Thank you everyone for joining us today for our podcast where we will talk about privacy and contact tracing. This is a highly relevant topic that we're seeing out in the industry today and joining me in this podcast are three people from Security Compass. We've got Mina Miri, Eric Service and Judy Zhu. Thank you all for taking the time to talk to me today about this really important topic. Uh, what I'd like to do is uh, let's just kick this off. Judy, maybe I'll start with you. What do you see as the challenges that we have today around this whole area of privacy and contact tracing? Thanks, Altaz. Um, there's a couple areas uh, of concern. First of all, um, is public trust. This is uh, a very new technology that's being very rolled out very fast in response to the pandemic. And um, individuals are uh, concerned about their data and uh, their privacy as well. Um, secondly, would be what are the principle, privacy principles that are involved? How does it fit with our current regulations? And what's actually needed to secure the app? Um, we'll talk a little bit about that uh, later, and Mina will dive into the technical details. And finally, um, a major challenge in effective contact tracing is the accuracy of the data and the accuracy of the contact tracing. This app is being um, ruled out fairly late in the pandemic response in comparison to some other countries and um, will need a high participation rate of the public and uh, uh, widespread testing strategy and uh, timely notifications to ensure the app is effective. And uh, Eric will be talking a little bit about that later with um, uh, discussing a consent, an opt-in consent versus a mandatory uh, contact tracing model. So um, going back a little bit to gaining public trust, um, early on in the uh, pandemic, the Privacy Commissioner of Canada issued guidance on uh, what privacy principles need to be uh, embedded when designing the app and how it fits with the current regulatory model um, in Canada and just what's being adopted in terms of privacy globally. Um, some of the privacy requirements um, for contact tracing include opt-in consent. Um, the Canadian model is a voluntary opt-in consent model. Uh, there's purpose limitation, which means that the personal information collected through the app can only be used for the intended public health purpose and for the pandemic response only. Um, any personal information collected must be destroyed when the pandemic is over and uh, there needs to be public consultation and transparency around um, design, the principles, even the regulatory developments later on. And finally, uh, we'll need strong security safeguards, strong technical safeguards to pr preserve privacy, ensure that location is being tracked, and um, this is being done with the current model by using Bluetooth identifiers instead of um, uh, location data. 
Um, yeah, so to summarize, uh, the key challenges we see with contact tracing are really gaining that public trust, um, securing the app and ensuring that they align with our privacy principles and our current regulations and um, the accuracy and participation to making sure it's effective. Wonderful. That's great. Thanks, Judy. And, and since you'd mentioned Mina, I guess I'll flip over to you now, Mina, and I'd like to ask you from your perspective, uh, what are the technical implications now of contact tracing? Well, uh, let me first highlight that uh, we want to increase adoption in using a um, contact tracing app. And uh, we, we don't want to um, discourage people from using it. But as, you, as Judy said, there are some privacy concerns to address. Uh, so there needs to be some technical safeguards uh, for collecting relevant information and also addressing data lifecycle. Now, for example, if the app um, has data collection feature, we want to make sure we don't collect unnecessary data. Also, the data should be deleted after a certain period of time or when the pandemic are over. So there needs to be some data retention feature in the app. Uh, it is also important to mask them with individual data. Uh, so by in implementing some data, the identification feature in the app, we can control that. So uh, in conclusion, there are uh, some important items, technical uh, safeguards are important, uh, collecting minimal data, uh, deleting data regularly and masking personal data are uh, some of the most important uh, point to consider. Mm, that's great, wonderful. Thanks, Mina. And Eric, uh, you know, flipping over to you now. Uh, so we've talked about the challenges, we've talked about the technical uh, implications of this whole idea of contact tracing. Uh, from your perspective, what are the top concerns when it comes to contact tracing? Um, I think what you really need to do is strike the right balance between pub personal safety and public utility. Um, I think a mandatory contact tracing scheme is really the only way to go. And I make this argument based on a lot of research that's come out of um, sexually transmitted disease research, where they have, a, they have um, partner notification schemes if you've contracted a, a condition. And they've noticed that um, voluntary schemes don't really work. Um, they find that uh, schemes that involve some sort of contractual control or having the healthcare provider do it really drives up the, the participation rate and overall utility of such schemes. Um, they're also noticing a bit of, an, uh, of a relationship between the strength of the association between the person who contracts the disease and the person that they're notifying, finding that um, if there's not really strong ties between these two people, the, the, the notification just really doesn't happen. Um, and you can imagine how that's going to play out if you're notifying people who are, you know, sitting beside you on the bus. I think fundamentally it comes down to a, to a tragedy of the commons situation where there's going to be lots of people who would be happy to accept the value of being involved in such a scheme, but they would kind of shun the cost of letting that scheme know when they themselves have contracted the disease. Um, so, in order to have a, a mandatory scheme, Judy talked a little bit about uh, about public trust. And I think you're gonna get that by assuring the public that their personal safety is going to be assured. Um, I think the way to achieve that, as Mina mentioned, is a, 
a kind of de-identification technique, which I think can be achieved by inserting um, noise into the system. What I mean by injecting noise, I mean um, embracing false positives. So sending out random notifications to users saying, hey, you might have been um, in contact with COVID-19, you should get checked out. Um, I don't, I think that this is a good compromise to accept because there has been um, guidance before saying that, you know, you have to limit the number of tests per perform, but I think that guidance has been outdated. Countries, uh, jurisdictions have, have drastically increased their capacity for, for performing tests. And I think that a real public good can come out of this uh, surplus testing capacity, such that you can, on one hand, um, catch the asymptomatic carriers of COVID-19, as well as use it to uh, leverage it to protect patient privacy through uh, enabling the injection of, of random noise into these schemes. Um, now, de-identification might be a little bit of a tough sell to the public. I think there's going to be some real, uh, they're going to need some clever communication. But um, if it's achieved, I think it'll go a long way to getting people to participate in these programs. Wonderful. That's great. So I just uh, wanted to thank each one of you for the research that you're doing in this area. And I wanted to thank you folks that are listening to this podcast. Uh, please feel free to do uh, get in touch with us. Let us know your thoughts on this as well. Uh, Mina, Eric, Judy, thank you very much. Thanks. Can't get enough of the Balancing Act? Make sure to check out our website at www.securitycompass.com and be sure to subscribe to our channel wherever you listen to podcasts for more episodes. Thank you.